This is Condopedia. Here, we talk about everything related to condo law in Ontario, with hopefully some humor mixed in. Welcome, everybody, to our second DHA Condo Crunch session. We're very excited to have, again, a fabulous turnout of attendees here today. We're going to try and get right to the crunch, right to the time crunch here today. We're going to be talking about common element modifications today with our three fantastic speakers, Victoria Crane, Jessica White, and Emily Dang. You're not going to want to hear from me today because, unfortunately, we do have some loud noise going on outside my home today, so I'll be turning my microphone off very shortly. Just want to get us started by saying these condo crunch sessions are all about topic specific seminars trying to get to the heart of the matter as in a short order so that you can have your lunch get some information and then carry on with your day today's sessions we don't do q a's at the end we still do our dha q a sessions every couple of months so if you've got some burning questions that you want answered watch out for that we will have another one coming up soon for today however it's all about common element modifications. We're going to start off with Victoria Crane, who's going to talk about common element modifications by condos, turning it over then to Emily to give some examples, back over to Jessica for common element modifications by owners, and then once again over to Emily for some more examples. So well, let's get started without further ado from me, Victoria, I welcome you to come on screen and I will go ahead and let you get us rolling. Thank you so much, Vic. All right, thank you, Nancy. Um, all right, so we're going to uh, first start off by reviewing uh, Section 97 of the Condominium Act, which governs changes to the common elements by a condominium and sets out the categories of changes in which a board can make or make with and without owner involvement. Um, so first, we're going to turn to common element changes that a board can make without owner involvement. Section 97 lists certain types of changes or modifications which fall within the board's mandate, which do not require the board to, to involve owners when making these sorts of common element changes. So the first type of change that falls within the board's mandate includes changes to the common elements which fall within the corporation's repair and maintenance responsibilities, provided the condominium uses materials that are reasonably close in quality to the original as is appropriate in accordance with the current construction standards. Uh, so this means that uh, a board is not required to involve owners when making a change to the common elements in order to fulfill its repair and uh, maintenance obligations, as long as it is using materials that are reasonably close in quality to the original material used. The second change, uh, second type of change that falls within the board's mandate includes common element changes required by law or required by a shared facilities agreement. Uh, Emily is going to get into specific examples of these sorts of changes, but I'll just list one change that might be required by law would be if uh, a change is required for human rights purposes. Uh, the third type of change um, is which in the opinion of the board are necessary to are changes which are necessary to ensure safety or security of persons using the property or are necessary to prevent imminent damage to the property or assets. 
The final and fourth uh, category of change, which falls within the board's mandate, uh, relate to the cost of the change. So where the estimated cost of making uh, the modification is estimated to cost less than the greater of either $1,000 or 1% of the annual budgeted common expenses, the condominium can go ahead and make that change. Um, generally speaking, most condominiums have a uh, annual budgeted common expenses of uh, more than $100,000. And so most condominiums are gonna be looking at that at that 1% threshold. Um, but for condominiums who have uh, an annual budgeted common expenses in the amount of $100,000 or less, they're going to be looking at the $1,000 threshold. So all of these four changes listed with on this slide are considered to be within the board's mandate and do not require the board to involve owners. This said, the board can always choose to involve owners if, they, if they'd like to, but it's technically not a legal requirement. So if the proposed change does not fall within the board's mandate, it is then a change which requires owner involvement. The extent of the owner, uh, the required owner involvement will depend upon whether the proposed change is considered to be substantial. So what is substantial? What is a substantial change? Uh, Ali, can you go to the next slide, please? So a uh, proposed change will consider to be substantial if the estimated cost of the change is greater than 10% uh, of the annual budgeted common expenses, or the board elects to treat that change as substantial. Um, a board might decide to, to elect to treat a change uh, to the common elements as substantial, um, perhaps when uh, you know the change, even though it may not be expensive, um, but it has a significant impact on the condominium community. Um, the example that I generally always give for um, you know such a change would be if all of the walls are painted beige, um, you know throughout the condominium complex, but the board would like to you know paint the walls red. So that would be an example of an inexpensive. Uh, change that wouldn't meet that 10% of the annual budget common expenses threshold, um, but obviously has a you know, significant impact on the condominium community. Uh, next slide, please, Ali. So if the proposed change uh, does not fall within the board's uh, mandate and is not substantial, which again, uh, is if the cost of the proposed change is estimated to be less than 10% of the annual budgeted common expenses and the board decides to not treat it as substantial, um, then in this case, the condominium is required to provide notice of the proposed common element change to the owners. So this notice will mainly include um, describing the proposed change to the common elements, uh, the estimated cost of the change and how the board intends to pay for, the, for this cost, uh, and also confirming that the owners have a, a right to requisition a meeting uh, under the Condominium Act. Assuming the owners do not requisition a meeting after receiving this notice, the proposed non-substantial change will be, will be approved 30 days after the notice was delivered to the owners. At that point, the condominium can then proceed with the change. However, if a meeting is requisitioned by the owners, the proposed non-substantial change will only be approved if the owners do not vote against the change at, at the requisition meeting. Uh, the non-substantial change will need to be approved by a majority uh, of the votes cast with a quorum of at least 25% of the units at the meeting. 
If the board obtains that approval, it can then at that point proceed with the proposed uh, common element change. Uh, next slide, please, Ali. So now we're talking about, we're gonna turn to substantial changes. So if the proposed change does not fall within the board's mandate and is substantial, which again is when the estimated cost of the proposed change exceeds 10% of the annual budgeted common expenses, or if the board deems it to be substantial, then the condominium is required to one, send out a notice to the owners of the proposed change, two, hold a meeting uh, of owners, and three, the proposed change must be approved by a vote with the owners of at least two thirds of all units voting in favor of the change. Um, uh, if, if the board obtains that two third approval from all owners, uh, then at that point, the condominium can then proceed with the proposed common element change. So uh, by way of a very brief summary, there are essentially three categories of common element changes. Um, one, uh, changes that are within the board's mandate that do not require uh, owner involvement. Again, the board may choose to involve the owners, but this is technically not a legal uh, requirement. Uh, two, changes that are non-substantial that require owner involvement. This will involve uh, sending a notice to owners and if requisition, also holding a meeting of owners. And three, changes that are substantial um, that require owner involvement. This will involve sending a notice to owners, holding a meeting, and then obtaining that two-thirds vote. Um, so I think at this point, Emily, I'm going to turn to you to provide some examples of uh, changes to the common elements. Thanks, Victoria. To start off with examples, uh, as previously mentioned, one of the categories that Victoria spoke about that falls within the mandate of the board is the safety and security category. So if a change that you are contemplating falls within this category, then no notice to the owners is required. Now, one example that I have here is the installation of CO2 detectors. Now, this is clearly a safety and security consideration. So uh, the, this installation wouldn't require notice to the owners. And the process, as Victoria described, is similar to uh, passing a rule. The information about the change would be provided to the owners, along with a period of 30 days during which the owners are able to requisition a meeting. One further example of this type of safety and security change is the installation of lighting in the common element parking garage or the common element parking area uh, in order to improve um, the lighting in some of the areas that perhaps are not well lit. This is another safety and security consideration and is a type of change that would not require owner notice. Now moving on to another example of a Section 97 change, as Victoria mentioned, another category that falls within the board's mandate and therefore does not require owner notice would be a change that is uh, under the cost threshold, under the 10% threshold, as set out by Section 97 of the Act. Now in some cases, while this type of change may not be uh, substantial because it falls under the cost threshold and doesn't require notice, it could be deemed by the board to be substantial, which would allow the board to go through the process of making a substantial change, despite this particular change not technically being substantial. Now, for example, something like this could be uh, decommissioning or removing a pool. Uh, 
So based on the cost of the change, uh, it falls under the 10% threshold and therefore would technically not require notice to the owners. However, this is clearly a type of change that would have a, a serious impact on the ownership as it's the removal of an amenity. And therefore, in most cases, uh, what is recommended would be to have open dialogue with the owner. Owners allow them to have discussion and provide feedback about the change prior to the board implementing the change. So now I'll turn it over to Jess to go over Section 98 changes. Perfect. Thank you, Emily. So Victoria and Emily have nicely discussed what is required when the condominium corporation wants to modify the common elements. But what about a situation where a unit owner wants to make a common element modification? Where a unit owner wants to modify the common elements, we look to section 98 of the Con Condominium Act, which is gonna set out the procedure that needs to be followed. First, the change cannot be contrary to the act or declaration. The proposed modification must be approved by a resolution of the board. In addition, the act requires that every common element modification made by an owner in a condominium must be governed by an agreement entered into between the condominium corporation and the owner. And this agreement must be registered on title to the owner's unit. Ali, I'll get you to move to the next slide. The purpose of this sort of agreement is to protect the condominium and the other owners from the costs, duties, and risks associated with the proposed change. The agreement must deal with things such as the responsibility for the cost of the modification, responsibility uh, for maintenance and repair of the modification, and responsibility to ensure the modification. These matters are detailed in Section 98 of the Condominium Act. The, co the costs to prepare this agreement are generally covered by the owner, and a copy of the agreement is registered on title to that owner's unit. It should also be included in any status certificate issued for the unit uh, to give notice of the change. Preparation of this type of agreement can be expensive, so particularly in situations where a condominium corporation has certain permitted modifications that it is comfortable allowing owners to make to the common elements, it can make good sense to either prepare a bulk agreement that would allow multiple units, uh, that multiple units would be parties to, so that the cost of preparing the agreement can be shared among those owners, or alternatively, uh, the corporation can consider putting a common element modifications bylaw in place. Uh, this sort of bylaw lists the permitted modifications to which the bylaw would apply, and that it includes the terms and conditions uh, that are set out in the bylaw that govern those permitted modifications. And in our view, uh, those sorts of bylaws are an excellent way to meet the requirement for a registered agreement on title in relation to the modification, but at much less cost. Ali, I'll get you to go to the next slide. Uh, so depending on the nature of the requested change made by the owner, it may be necessary to satisfy the requirements of Section 97 of the Act as well, including the possible involvement of the other owners to approve the modification, depending on the change being proposed. These Section 97 requirements do not apply if the proposed change relates to a part of the common elements of which the owner has exclusive use, and provided that the board is satisfied that certain conditions listed in Section 98.2 of the Act are met. So essentially, the board must be satisfied that the proposed change will not have an adverse effect on other units, that it will not give rise to costs to the condominium, that it will not detract from the appearance of other units or the building, that it will not affect the structural integrity of the property, and that it will not contravene any other of the prescribed requirements. Where this is not the case, the owner will also need to comply with the requirements of Section 97 of the Act, which, uh, which Vic nicely detailed for us earlier. 
uh, and in some cases are going to have to involve the other owners to approve the change where it's necessary. The applicable Section 97 requirements are going to depend on the details of the type of change that the owner wants to make. Uh, I'm now going to hand it back over to Emily to discuss some examples of common element modifications that might be made by owners. Great. Thanks, Jess. Um, so some of these examples are pretty common that uh, many uh, directors would have had experience with in the past. So one of the changes that is that we see a lot would be in installation of a deck by an owner. And of course, in this case, when an, when an owner puts in a deck, for example, in their exclusive use backyard, it's something, the key point here is that these types of changes, the board wants to ensure that the unit owner is fully responsible for any ongoing repair or maintenance that is required by an addition of a, uh, the deck that is added to their backyard. And even after the, the unit is sold, that new owners are aware that this is an addition, a modification um, to, the, to the unit. Uh, of course, the corporation should not be liable for these types of additions, and um, that's achieved, as just mentioned, by registering a Section 98 agreement on title to the unit or by passing the Section 98 bylaw. So anyone who purchases or owns the unit is aware of their responsibilities, um, ongoing responsibilities for the deck. Another example would be uh, the installation of a dishwasher, perhaps in a high-rise unit where dishwashers are not part of the unit or not uh, purchased as part of the unit. And when an owner wants to do something like this, the board uh, would need to consider whether an addition like this would have an impact on perhaps the wiring or the plumbing that is considered part of the common element behind the walls of the unit, as well as if use of a dishwasher may impact uh, water usage for the condominium as a whole and how such changes may impact other residents as well. And now I'm just going to touch on, uh, Ali, next slide, please, on our last sort of topic that uh, that sort of goes into both Section 98 and Section 97 changes, um, and that's the electric vehicle charging system. So this type of change can be done by the corporation or by an owner, and there are actually specific uh, regulations or specific procedures that are outlined in the regulations of the Condominium Act for how this is to be done. And so under um, the regulations, if a corporation is considering doing this type of or making this type of addition to the common elements, the process is that there needs to be an assessment of cost for how for how much uh, this type of installation would cost. And then the estimated for cost of the installation must not be greater than 10% of the annual budgeted common expenses for the fiscal year. And the, in the board's reasonable opinion, reasonable opinion, this type of change uh, would not be regarded by the owners as causing a material reduction or elimination of their use of, or enjoyment of the property. And of course, notice is required to be provided to the owners within 60 days, with 60 days to requisition a meeting. So that's the process set out for um, a corporation if they wish to install electric vehicle charging stations. As well, um, an owner may come to the board and request that uh, such a station or such a system be installed for their electrical vehicle. And in that case, the process is that they have an application submitted to the board, the board has that reviewed. And if there are no issues, um, the, there is a requirement that an agreement be registered on title to the owner's unit outlining uh, the, the installation costs, the ownership, as well as the maintenance responsibilities going forward for that particular charging station. And uh, those are all the examples for me. I'll turn it back to Nancy. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much, everybody, for that great overview. Just a couple of key takeaway points to be thinking about with changes to common elements. If a condominium corporation is thinking about a change, remember we're talking about changes, not your general everyday maintenance and repair obligations. We're talking about something that is different from that. So if it's a question that you would put to the ownership, the ownership voted it down, and that would be unacceptable. It's not a change. For example, if you have to replace your windows and you said, well, let's ask the owners if we should replace them. And they said no. And those windows are failing. That's not a change. If, however, you wanted to replace those windows with bay windows, whereas they were standard windows, then you're looking at your cost differential for a change. So think about that for common elements to corporate, uh, common element changes by the corporation. For owner changes, Everything and anything can qualify as an owner change if it touches the common elements, just like Jess was saying, the piping, the wiring. It can be subtle, like the piping and wiring, or it can be a great big deck that's right in front of your face. So think about that. For electric vehicle changes, remember that the technology is changing on a daily basis, it seems, these days. You could have a pure change or installation by the corporation, a pure installation by the owners, or you could have a hybrid approach of the two. So make sure that you're all Always thinking about how electric vehicle charging stations could work in your community, taking into account your particular circumstances. So that's our general overview of common element modifications and changes. We want to thank everybody for coming today. We hope you enjoyed this short snippet. We know it brings up a lot of additional questions. So again, if you have more burning questions on this topic, stay tuned for one of our upcoming Q&A sessions. We're also going to be following up shortly with a couple of emails or blogs, e-blasting e with our blogs, sorry, some blogs just summarizing some of the key things we talked about today, as well as a blog blog, which will confirm when the podcast is uploaded. So you can listen to this session today. We will also be sending out a short email to ask you what you would like for our next condo crunch. Again, we try and keep ourselves within the half hour, maximum 45 minute time frame. We've done a pretty good job today. We're still within our half hour time frame. So what would you like to hear from next time? What topic should we cover in our next DHA condo crunch? Stay tuned, watch for the email, and then tell us what we should be doing. I hope you all have a great day. Please be safe and stay well. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Conopedia is brought to you by Davidson Hu Allen, a boutique condominium law firm servicing Eastern Ontario. You can find more about our firm on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or on our website at davidsonconolaw.ca. This podcast is for information purposes only and is not intended to provide legal opinion or advice, which cannot be given without knowing the facts of a specific situation. Use of this podcast does not establish a solicitor and client relationship. The intro and outro music is provided by Purple Planet. You can find them at purple-planet.com.